We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Moose News Podcast, episode 205. We're getting too far from 200. Yeah. And I, I, I no longer really know what it is, but what it is. It's a podcast with Joe Musso, Matt Rooney, and Justin Fields. The Bears have a new quarterback. It's a new day in Chicago. Hope reigns eternal uh, in the second city, Matt. I, I, I know we're a few days removed from it now, but like... No, I'm, I'm happy we're a few days removed from it now because if we did it right it's after... Real, it it's real. It's real like It would have been the, <laughs> you know, the next day glow. It's still the love fest. I still have that like today. Like I still walk around at random times and just have a smile come across my face because Justin Fields is not my quarterback. Justin Fields is not our roster. I'm glad that we can have this love fest a week later because we're still feeling it, and I guarantee you the people that listen to this podcast are still likely feeling that too. And to be fair, Matt, that feeling should never go away. Now, when I say never, I mean in the next three, four, when we start figuring out who this guy is, yes, fifteen that years. Feeling that feeling will give way to our understanding of Justin Fields as a professional quarterback. But until then, this is there is no reason to be skeptical. There is no reason to be negative. There is no reason to go to the oh, it's Matt Nagy developing him and that that coaching staff and front office that's going to develop them and ruin them maybe but we don't know until they start doing it we don't know so enjoy mm-hmm. the honeymoon phase is what i'm saying enjoy this honeymoon phase of knowing that what many believe to be the second best quarterback in this class dropped to you at 11 and yes you did have to pay a premium to go get him but you didn't pay an arm and a leg like san francisco did to move up to number three no you didn't pay an arm and a leg to move up a couple spots to go get mitch trubisky this you wasn't even the Khalil Mack trade. This was you, one, basically you spent, one extra Exactly. Pick. You spent draft capital in the draft in 2022, which is capital that you likely would have used on a quarterback had you not gone and got this kid. Mm-hmm. So, so you're using your quarterback capital on him on a quarterback that would be Hands down, no argument, the Trevor Lawrence of next year's quarterback class. Yes. I mean, unless unless Sam Howell blows the doors Spencer off. Spencer Rattler would have to have a or huge Spencer year. Rattler goes crazy and everybody But even falls then, I don't think they'll reach, the, reach that heights. I, I just don't think that they will, Height. like you said, reach the, reach the height of Justin Fields as a collegiate quarterback before they hit the NFL draft. So I personally have no problem with the capital they got, gave up to go and get a guy that I, they identified as – their guy. And I know we've said that in the past that, that when we were trying to go full spin zone on Trubisky and get behind it and say, you know, they identify him, identified him as their guy. But mm-hmm. what went into that identification process, Matt, of Mitch Trubisky? I think a lot of talking yourself into the talent happened there. We know who Justin Fields is. He started 30 plus games at two pro and for two programs between Georgia and Ohio State. He put a stamp on college football. Last year, puts up six touchdowns against Clemson, made that defense look like a Pop Warner defense. The tape is there. The proof is there. If it does not work, if Justin Fields in Chicago does not work, I I don't believe that's to his own fault. I think that's to an organizational fault of the Chicago Bears. And I'm I'm not saying, I'm not even assuming that that'll be the case. I'm assuming that Justin Fields is going to be a successful quarterback and will be a franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears for the years and years to come. But we are now in a situation where we have a quarterback prospect that we're aware of his skill sets. 
that we're not having to go on to YouTube and check out, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he did look really good against Virginia Tech when he threw that three-touchdown game. Like, we don't have to talk ourselves into Justin Fields. We know the commodity. Yeah, that, that's, I think, the difference here. Last year, or, not sorry, last year, when it was 2018, whatever, they went to go get Mitch. Life happens fast. 17. They went up and got him more or less on a gut feeling and quite honestly, the same reason why a lot of why the Jets kind of felt the need to go, uh, they didn't trade up, but go with Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. It's mm-hmm. more of the stuff that happened post-combine and the potential you saw from some of the tools they had. Um, this is kind of the first time ever in my lifetime that the Bears have gone out and got their quarterback that has a proven track record of success. Granted, it's at the college level, but like even when they went out and got Jay, he was this strong-arm guy with a really high ceiling coming out of Denver who really hadn't hit that yet. And he was a guy who was at Vanderbilt and was at the bottom of the conference. Like, you went out and got a guy who was, like you said, a right Contending there, for a national title. Right up there with Trevor Lawrence as the top quarterback prospect in this draft until they stopped playing football, which is okay. Contending for a national title for two straight years, beat Clemson, put up 30 points on Alabama. Like, this reminds me a lot of the Deshaun Watson – you know, falling yeah. in 17. Yeah. It was, we, we just saw what he did. Even Deshaun Watson did even more, but like we just saw what he did. He had just beaten Alabama. I forgot who, uh, I forgot who they beat in the semifinal last year, but obviously won a semifinal game. Like the, the tape is right there in front of you. What he's doing to, you know, semi-professional defenses is right in front of you. I think I even texted you the same thing uh, when they were trading up for him. Just don't think, just shoot. You saw what he did against Bama. You saw what he did against Clemson. That's all you need to see. Take the kid. And they credit to them. They just went and took the kid. They didn't know. Credit to them. Credit to them. Credit to us, Matt. We did call. We did not have the Dallas-Philly trade. We had us moving up. We had us moving no. up into the Philly slot, not mm-hmm. into the Dallas slot. But it ended up being the slot that we were saying you needed to move up into if this drop occurred. And right when Trey Lance gets drafted at three, my ears perked up a little bit. And then it's like, yeah. all right, all right, just like, just chill. You know, someone's going to scoop him. One of these teams is going to go and just make the pick and figure things out. And it just, just and you kept happened. tweeting, have the Bears moved up to eight to draft yeah. Justin Fields? Have the Bears moved up to nine to draft Justin? And they move up. And the second that trade comes through, I, I, I hope that it's something that I remember for the rest of my life because he does win us 10 Super Bowls and he's the greatest of all time or whatever. But right now it's ingrained in my brain and I want to know what you before I give you what I was doing what were you doing when you saw the trade come across the board not, uh, not that not that he had been drafted but no. the, the Bears were trading up I was at work uh, I was okay. technically also uh, working the Sox game but I'm not going to lie to you I was paying very minimal attention <laughs> nobody to was Sox working the Sox game <laughs> um, but no yeah I was I, I had TweetDeck open we had the, the nice two monitor set up in the office I had, had TweetDeck open was pretty much just staring at it and the mm-hmm. second I saw that tweet from Schefter I did a double take to make sure the verification sign was still next to it and I wasn't getting you know, get, you know getting caught by <laughs> a fake account and pretty much just like yelled out to the rest of the newsroom. The Bears just traded up to eleven. Um, everybody got obviously hyped, but there, there was still also the feeling throughout of like, including myself, like I'm not believing they take Justin Fields until mm-hmm. I see the commissioner go up there. Or I forgot whoever made the pick announced that the Bears have just drafted Justin Fields. Because no offense to Mac Jones, I still thought that just I, I wasn't going to believe it was Fields. I was going to. Wouldn't have shocked me if they're like Mac Jones. I just I needed to hear Justin Fields to, before I, I was really going to. Yeah, I even saw the tweets. Brad Biggs was, I think, the first one that broke it, saying the Bears are going to select him. I did not let my hopes get up until I officially heard Justin Fields, and then I went nuts. 
I went through the same kind of emotional roller coaster there. So I was in my living room, standing in front of my TV, watching the draft, uh, working my lower back with the mm. Theragun. Got to. So I'm, I, I'm, you, you know, just I'm getting into golf. the, I'm getting into the nooks and the crannies. Correct. I'm getting into the nooks and the we'll crannies. Later, work, by the way. Working the lower back on the Theragun, and I was like kind of doubled over. And I stand back up and like had one of those head rushes where, you know, you stood up a little Get bit a little dizzy. So like, yeah, I got a little dizzy. And when my vision came back, it was like it was like a Scorsese produced movie. Like my vision came back and it was like, boom, da, 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 and that came across the board. Bears have traded up or bears are on the clock, it said, essentially. And I was like, wait, what did I just like did I just bend over for like an hour and a half and mm-hmm. miss the last eight picks? But it was like, no, the bears just traded up. And then I was like. I, I I screamed. I screamed, oh, my God. Shelby's in the shower. She was like, she, she yells back, are you okay? I was like, the Bears just traded up. So I start freaking out, like, they're going to draft Justin Fields. They're going to draft Justin Fields. And that lasted for, like, 35 seconds. And I was like, oh, my God, they might draft Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, my God, that, they that, might draft. That like, thought crept into my head. Because if they draft Mac Jones and leave Justin Fields on the board, we're, again, going to have to sit there and, like, live with this if it if Justin Fields ends up being an all-time guy and, and Mac Jones doesn't and now we can get to that aspect of things with Mac Jones going shortly after Justin Fields but just the unbridled joy of then hearing the pick it was it was special because you know we always joke about all oh, these are the top moments in Bears quarterback history when we get a guy or when when something good happens like that and they really are like we, we don't have much to point to for nope. quarterback play in in Chicago and with our franchise and man drafting Justin Fields like I said just being happy about this kid being on the roster it's one of the top moments in my lifetime in Bears football like on field off field that right there just what it did for myself as a Bear fan and I know I can speak for plenty of Bears fans what it did for your psyche and what it did for just the level of you hope needed you it. have going into next season. Like, there was no hope in going into next season, which is unfortunate because, again, we've talked about it here just at a at a tiresome amount. We've talked about it on this podcast just over and over. We bemoan the point that there is talent on this roster, mm-hmm. and we can't be hopeful about a talented roster because the most important position has not been tended to. That's no longer the feeling. It immediately injects hope into a franchise that was staring down a four or five year rebuild that was staring down, blowing it up and trading all the way your actual assets that was staring down a a really dark time in the franchise. You go, you make this movie, get your guy and man, it's a shot in the arm. Yeah. I mean, we were even at the point where we were done making this, I think we we took away the official tag of this being a bears Bears podcast because we we did. And I was, and I was really ready and I was really ready to next season. Like, yeah, we both work in the industry. We're going to watch the games. We're going to be aware Mm -hmm. of what's going on, but I, I was not going to have – if I was at work, I was not going to have my screen dedicated to them. They come up on red zone when they come up on red zone. That yeah. was like already how I was positioning in my head. It's like I don't really want to go through this for 17 games this season. Um, and now I do. Now I want to put my head back down in the trenches and go to work with I'm my all the way back in. Fields. I'm all the way That's back it. in. I, yeah. I allowed myself for the first time in prob- since probably the loss to the Saints to wear a Bears apparel outside of my apartment. I wore a Bears quarter zip to work the next day. That, and that was I, the first time I did that in months. And yes, the apparel is obvious. And I made that point too. Going into work, you know, obviously in your newsroom, it's predominantly Chicago mm-hmm. fandom. You might have a, a Packer fan here, a Vikings fan there, a random fan. Yankee yeah, fan, it's whatever. like ni- you know, ninety-five percent Bears. 
I'm in a newsroom that's probably 70% New York, New Jersey-based we'll allegiances. We'll get to Okay. But go um, but everyone's got their own weird allegiances too. We got some, oddly enough, we got some Sacramento Kings supporters. We got some Cleveland kids in the newsroom. We're also a, a Kings a, podcast. We are a Kings we podcast. Kings. The Kings. Um, it's a little bit of a melting pot in the newsroom. And it has been hard since week four of last season or week six of last season being the Bears fan in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. It was. Are you a solo was, Bears fan in the newsroom? Nobody else with you? Yes. No other Bears fans in the newsroom. That's tough. Uh, but they, but they respect my Bears allegiance. They know that. They, they, they know that this doesn't, it's not a hollow allegiance. So they know what it does to me emotionally. So there was a lot of like, hey, like a lot of like thumbs up from hey, Cleveland Browns fans. Good like, job, buddy. You. There's some Cleveland fans who are uh, Ohio State fans like, take care of them, bud. Like, like jacked up that yeah. like he's going to the Bears or whatever. Now we do have the Giants fans in the room who have our pick next year and will be vehemently rooting against us during the season. But they were also, you know, pretty cool that you can go get your quarterback. So it was it was a lot easier to be the Bears fan in the newsroom. Now, uh, there, the there are, I'm assuming New York, New Jersey, a lot of Jets fans in that newsroom then too. More, I'd say probably a about few, okay. 60, 40 Giants. A few Jets, Jets. fans at least. Um, yes, yes. What – what were their thoughts on Zach Wilson? And like, did they're you completely see kind of, jaded? Okay, because they're, they're, they're completely jaded. It's like great. We it's got more another of a, quarterback a believe, again. A believe it when I see it kind of thing. Yes, like okay. great. We got another quarterback. If it pans out, awesome. If not, like it's happened to me before. Um, that type of thing. Where okay. I'd say they're about two rungs deeper on the ladder of like quarterback misery than the Bears are. Not historically, just like current status of like. We've picked a quarterback in the top five picks how many times over the yeah, last that's two decades? The, thing. the Bears have. We haven't, you know, we have, have we, we haven't had those picks. They've tried and they've tried yeah. and they've tried and they've tried, and here they are trying again with Zach Wilson. And I think they're at a point where uh, one of my producers, Lucas, literally said the words that you just said. I'll believe it when I see it. So I think it's, they're they're holding out. They're hold, they're reserving their excitement because they know that hope can be a a, a, a fleeting intoxicant. Uh, it can it can make you drunk in, in drunk in love and then. Uh, you're getting pulled over for a DUI to, to, to take that metaphor further. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to really put your heart out there for a quarterback, they know you can get hurt. And I think they're, they're a little bit tired of getting hurt. I guess if there's something to be somewhat optimistic about is it looks like they went out and actually made some picks after that to like go help the kid out instead of yeah. just kind of throwing Darnold to the wolves. There. You put, you put protection in front of them. You put weapons around them uh, before you even think around about, about the defensive side of the ball because, you know, they were decent mm-hmm. defensively. But, yeah. um, I, you know, not to go too deep into these other picks because I want to keep this thing this thing we'll, pretty we'll bear-centric before we get back to the other picks. But yeah. um, I don't know. And, and I'll raise my hand to say I was the guy last year wrong about Justin Herbert, and I might be the guy who's wrong about Zach Wilson next year. But – I think there's a lot of development that needs to happen. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with the city of New York on his shoulders. Cause that's, that's a weight. That's that, that is a weight. Even if they're Provo, Utah if they're jaded is not to New York city. No. And, and you, and you're not going to be untouched uh, in your pursuit of excellence here. He was, he had a bunch of all pro or excuse me, all uh, mountain West guys in front of him mm-hmm. that were 50 year seniors that kept them upright and, you know that's that's the key to success with any quarterback. But uh, we'll see when the rest of the AFC East has their ears pinned back, coming after you um, each and every weekend. Uh, what sort of quarterback you actually are? Well, speaking um, of keeping again, your quarterback again, upright, Joe. Oh, you want to get not, to something? Yeah, not to cut you off, but again, back to the back to the Justin Fields point. Yeah. 
I think we know who he is more than yeah, more 100%. than he's a more proven commodity. He's the most proven commodity outside of Trevor Lawrence in this draft. I and think. you brought it. Yeah, you brought it up there too. It's not maybe like, you can make the Kyle Pitts or an offensive lineman argument, but like it's guys like, that we've eaten the most tape on. Yeah. Justin Fields is right up there. It's it's not like he's a proven commodity coming out of uh, no offense to North Carolina, but like a North Carolina. Or he, like we're talking proven commodity IO, baby. coming out of the top three most pressure pack quarterback situations probably i mean 100%. maybe not pressure pack but like biggest market quarter whatever like he's done it at the biggest place one of the biggest places in college football and, and done it thriving and i keep hearing people say like oh well ohio state quarterbacks who never really panned out in the nfl which ones have come out hyped up like which which quarterbacks from ohio state have been these surefire like can't yeah, miss. No prospects. one was talking about Cardale Jones. Dwayne Haskins. Miller is Dwayne that. Haskins Dwayne was Haskins, the 15th Haskins. overall pick in a bad quarterback draft. Yeah. And I mean, in this year's draft, he would have been a second round pick, and he left too early. Yeah, Cardale Jones was a fourth round lottery ticket picket. Uh, uh, JT Miller was. JT Miller was that his name? No, JT Barrett. JT Barrett. JT Miller. JT Barrett. Barrett wasn't even considered a professional prospect. Troy Smith going back to the day was a fifth-round draft pick that everybody knew as a college player. Like the, the Ohio State quarterbacks haven't worked out because none of them have had the pro skill set yet. They, they haven't been touted as pro prospects. Justin Fields has been a top prospect since he was you know, a sophomore in high school. This isn't just your average Ohio State quarterback. I wanted to get that I, off my I, chest, but I hear no, people. I, I see that argument a lot on Twitter that you shouldn't draft somebody because, well, they've, they, that college hasn't produced a quarterback yet. Well, okay. The Bears haven't either, but they're going to now. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's more um, correlation than causation. Yeah. I don't think there's any link to be made to Ohio State quarterbacks and their success at the next level. Tell me, tell me something about the same point could be made about Mac Jones and Alabama yeah. quarterbacks. Do the you know, same thing. Many, when was the last how many Alabama worked quarter- out? And and maybe Tua is that guy, but prior to Tua, and I, you know, I, even Tua, yeah, Tua I'll we hold don't know out yet. my reservations on Tua as well. When was but, the last um, North Dakota State quarterback that worked out? <laughs> Carson Wentz for like a year and a half. Exactly. Um, but uh, I felt you wanting to go to the big ugly. I there, did. Matt, I wanted uh, to get and to our other picks. Before we do, before we do, and I know we're round back to fields here throughout the podcast. We will. But this does is it give fields you podcast now. Does it give you any pause that Mac Jones was selected what three picks later by uh, no, by Bill Belichick? It does not okay. at all. Um, I, okay. at, first at the I, time I was like, ooh, I don't like it, but I, I'm fine. Now. No, um, I, I think I think Mac Jones is going to be a, a fine NFL quarterback. I think he's going to probably be if not the day one starter in New England, pretty close to it. And I think he'll do really well there. I think they have a great coaching staff that does a great job. Mac of is kind Cam of, backwards. Okay, that's, a, that's very true. Mac is Cam backwards. And, and he went to Bama, so it's he's literally like the bizarro Cam. Um, there it is. But no, I, I think he's going to do fine there. I don't think he would have been a great fit in Matt Nagy's system. And as we've seen, Matt Nagy will try and shoehorn the system to the quarterback instead of the other way around. Or, I'm sorry, the quarterback to the system instead of the other way around. Um Justin Fields is just – he's a perfect fit for what Nagy and the Bears are trying to do. And I uh, – so I'm not worried about it, no. All right. I like that. Um, let's talk about some of these other picks made by the Bears front office. I mean, come on. You, you know, can't love Tevin Jenkins. I, I, I'm sure you've seen some of the clips by now, he, and I didn't – He's I, big. I, he's mean. He's I was everything a little bit worried tackle. about them going and moving up, but I, I saw who they went out and got. And, you know, some people, again, are a little bit jaded in the past by trading for picks. Much like Mitch, they didn't go trade up for a project here. They they traded up for no. a guy who is a on every just about everyone's board a first round NFL you know first round tackle that many people had to have had them taking that's, twenty. 
that's what made me feel real good about it. They went up and got a lot value. Of people, they didn't go up and get a high ceiling. They went up and saw value and they got it. And, and now hindsight okay. is hindsight is twenty twenty, and they do maximize on the back end of their draft here too with some guys that I think can really play roles and uh, even uh, the, in the wide receiver Daz Newsome actually make an impact there in the slot. Mm-hmm. We'll get to those guys, but like I Quite was a, a little too. wary. I was <laughs> I was a little wary of them moving up and just coming out of this draft with a quarterback and a tackle and maybe some you know crumbs after that. Yeah. But even beyond Jenkins, we'll talk about Jenkins as much as you want because I know you love the big uglies, but uh, Larry Borum there at, mm-hmm. in round five. I know we did have to wait between two and five a while, but um, you know you get another tackle, you add some tackle depth, and then that allows you to part ways with the speed bump that was Charles Leno. Um, and, and I think that um, you know uh, moving on and and not putting fields behind a guy that we're already you know super down on, and, and mm-hmm. we know his capability or lack thereof uh, to protect the quarterback. And yes. You're going to have a rookie tackle in front of a rookie quarterback, but let's all become friends. Let's yeah. figure things out. Let's, let's, let's do this together. For the next together. decade, you know, um, that type of thing, too. And, I mean, just Jenkins, and he seems like a bit of an enigma. Like, he seems like the nicest, like, kind of comic book nerd, like, big, thick glasses kid. And then you put a helmet on him, and he wants to absolutely break your will. Like, I love that about him. Yeah, I mean, we, we've all – I mean – me probably more so than you, but we all knew offensive line when we played football that were like that, that were just the nicest people in the world off the field, but then you get them on the field and they turn into just a raging psychopath. Exactly. Um, <laughs> seems like that's what Tevin Jenkins is. I, I think if there's one concern-ish I, I have about it is all the clips you're seeing, I haven't, I don't watch a ton of film. I would like to see someone on him at some point. All of his best clips are run blocking. You, you haven't seen much of him in the past, bro. And he was yeah. a right tackle in a you know for an Oklahoma State team that yes does throw the ball a lot, but it's a lot more of like you know an RPO type offense. It's getting the ball out quickly. So I'm not saying he can't pass protect. Obviously he can, but it's just, I haven't seen too much of it, so I don't really want to speak too much on that. And if they do have him switching to left tackle, that is something to just kind of keep an eye on. Um, but man, in the in the run, this guy is just an absolute animal. Uh, he's he, he is the definition of a mauler. And like yeah. at that point with where the Bears got him at 39, I mean there were there I think there were two surefire these are the top two dra- tackles in the draft. It was Rashawn Slater, it was uh, Panay Sewell. I think I think everybody kind of had those as one two in their their mocks and, and flip flop either one. Now correct me if I'm right. wrong here. Go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but Sewell's going to be making a position change. Wasn't he a guard in no, college? He was a tackle. He was a tackle the whole time. I don't know why I had him inside. No, he's a tackle. Um, or had him listed as inside, but um, yeah, you had you had Sewell who um, it was essentially kinda... though, after those two there was a there was a you know mismatch of like eight you know I do eight, think like five different tackles that people were saying there's not there wasn't that the huge of a drop no. off to Derisaw or uh, or Leatherwood, but um, the fact that the Raiders reach on Leatherwood makes the me Raiders feel better about it. Not Leatherwood, being Leatherwood. Made Jenkins, yeah. gave Jenkins. I think it's kind of what it was like almost like an inadvertent cosign. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, to your point about the mean streak in this kid, he's that's, nasty. I mean, you can teach you can teach kick slide, you can teach uh, a, a good left hand post, you can mm-hmm. teach like all these different great offensive things. line turns there. I'm not that sure might have been the only two you had, but I love it. That's it. That's it. Um, you kick should see my. You, you've seen you've seen my kick slide. My kick slide is like first round stuff. We if I had the size, we can we can if, work. If with I had no 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 no, if I had the size, my kick slide's first round. But stuff. can you, you better kick- be. But can you better you kick be bringing slide into a hard post. Um, probably not. But exactly. you better be bringing you better be bringing a stunt off the left side at, at Muso if you if you want to get to the outside. Yeah, no you're problem. not getting to the outside. No problem. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm completely off of my point of, oh, you could teach those things, but you cannot necessarily put a mean streak into a guy. Yeah. Like the, the fact that he's got that in him and he's joining an offensive line room that largely lacked that, that lacked the mean streak, that mm-hmm. lacked an identity, that lacked some nasty. Ooh, that, that excites me to be putting him in front of Justin Fields because from a draft strategy standpoint, like we said, you get your quarterback, you protect your quarterback. That's one and one A right there. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it on you know, months ago when we were talking about kind of what the Bears need to do and when their offensive line had you know a mini – I don't want to call it a resurgence at the end of the year, but they went from worst offensive line in the NFL to showing some promise. We talked about the need to add depth in the offseason. This is what they've done. They've gone out and drafted one guy they think can come and be a day one starter, one tackle that they think is obviously, if they're, they're drafting him in the fifth round, their third overall pick in the draft, uh, they think pretty highly of him. Put that together with James Daniels coming back. Jermaine Effetti had a stronger end of the year at tackle. You got... Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars, who had good ends to the year. You have, obviously, Cody Whitehair, who's the stalwart in the offensive line. All of a sudden, you, they've added that depth, and now they actually have some options. So if a offensive lineman A goes down, you, you're not immediately scrambling for somebody to come in and fill in for a couple weeks. They yeah. now have – I'd like to th- – again, you don't know what you have fully until you get into camp with these – with these offense, uh, the, the draft picks, but you have seven or eight guys that you actually trust to put out there on a Sunday, which was not the case, you know, midway through the year that that first Bears Saints game when they were just getting eaten alive. It's it's completely yeah. different feeling now. Um, let's uh, keep it moving here and talk about a couple of the other picks. I don't have a ton to say about the, the tackle out of. I don't know uh, much about uh, him either, but he looks out like of Mizzou. A other than the yeah, other than the fact that I like having options in the offensive line room because Mm -hmm. there's going to be attrition. Guys are going to go down. You better, we've said it and we'll say it at nauseum. You better be about six or seven, if not eight deep Mm -hmm. at the offensive line position to have a guy like Borum, who they say too can go inside, outside, who can go left side, right side, just kind of a, this guy went down, Larry's up type situation. Not like, not like a specialist left tackle something. And that's um, what you're looking for at the end of the draft, too, when you're in the taking fifth these round, offensive yeah. linemen. Obviously, Absolutely. one or two, you want a guy that you know he's my left tackle from day one. When you're picking an offensive lineman in round five, you want a guy that can play anywhere because that's you're not immediately assuming he's going to be a starter. He's going to be the guy in camp that one day so-and-so's down, we need you in a right tackle. One day so-and-so's down, you're going yeah. to, you, know, you want those guys, and they clearly went out and got a guy that they think can play pretty much four of the five positions along the line. I think uh, we keep things rolling here into the sixth round, uh, and that's where the Bears targeted some position players, a little bit more skill player. Um, Good old six toes. And, and, you know, you get to the sixth round, and you're not guaranteed that these guys are on the roster, and I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm just, like, talking myself into their skill sets because they're ours now, but I'm really excited about Daz Newsom and what he can be in the slot. Um, really fluid route runner, and it, it is a – it's going to be a competitive – it's going to be a competitive – receiver room now mm-hmm. when you throw this kid into the mix with Anthony Miller I know we're shopping him but it doesn't look like anyone's biting um, Riley Ridley uh, you can still got whims inside as much as I hate him yeah. and I think we picked up Marquise Goodwin who's injury prone but you know has See, been a burner uh, in the Demir in Bird the from the Patriots they just picked up too had a real nice year last year for them so it's essentially like, yeah. hey, we got this new quarterback who's got a huge arm. Like, who wants to go make him look good? And I like that type of competition in the receiver room. Now, Allen Robinson is another conversation for another day. And if this Justin Fields pick changes the way he feels about being a Chicago Bear, it better. Um, and it's also 
if you look at it, once we get Andy Dalton and Nick Foles off the roster, well, yeah, maybe there is the money in underneath the cap mm-hmm. to get a nice deal done with Allen Robinson because you now have a quarterback. You now have a quarterback on a rookie deal, yeah. You know, like things start lining up nicely here. Um, but uh, back to the conversation of these uh, late-round picks here, whether it be Khalil Herbert, the running back out of Virginia Tech, Daz Newsom, the wide receiver out of North Carolina, or uh, Thomas Graham Jr., the corner out of Oregon. Out of that six-round group, what excites you? Um. I think I, I like all three of the sixth round picks, and I love the name Daz Newsom. Don't get me wrong; it looks like he, <laughs> while he might have a little bit of a dropping issue, he, he seems to have all the athleticism and, and game breaking ability you want out of a, a you know a low risk pick in, in the sixth Sounds round. Sounds like Anthony Miller, but go on. Uh, well, you know what? They picked him in the sixth round, not the second, and not so, the second. Yes, uh, I can live with that out of a sixth round pick. I'm most excited the more I read about Thomas Graham out of Oregon. It, it, he seems like a guy that if he would have opted out, his draft stock would have stayed higher. I'm, I'm seeing here Pro Football Focus had him as a, a top 80 prospect in the draft. He fell all the way to where the Bears got him at 228, and in a spot where you just lost Kyle Fuller, where you you still have. I mean, you went out and got. Um, Des Trufant, who's a very nice cornerback. He's not Kyle Fuller, but he's he's a day one starter there. But in a spot where you got a, an injury-prone corner in Jalen Johnson, you need to go out and address that depth. And they went out in the sixth round and got a very high-ceiling kind of guy, a, a guy that's definitely dropped farther than he probably should have for whatever reason um, at a need that you definitely needed to fill and add some more depth to. So I think that's probably the pick I'm most excited about. But I, I very much like all three of the sixth-round picks. I think they were right where they needed to be. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, you add some running back depth there. Now, I don't know that um, Khalil Herbert's going to be a guy who gets a whole bunch of touches with Monty Cohen mm-hmm. coming back and Damian Williams in the back. Keep forgetting they added um, Damian Williams. But you take you take a you take a special teams weight off somebody's shoulders like Anthony Miller mm-hmm. or like Tariq Cohen. You let them just be backs, and you let Khalil Herbert be the return guy. Uh, Newsom is also a return guy. Uh, I think punt specifically. So if you want Herbert to be your kick return guy, uh, Newsom to be your punt return guy, sixth round picks making a difference in special teams. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm good with that too. Um, and then you get to the seventh and seventh round picks. I mean, I don't know what the hit rate is, but at number two fifty, if you can get a six foot two, three hundred and twenty five pounds. Just look at the picture of the guy named Kyrus Tonga out of BYU. That you go you get that him. guy. Uh, he's a. I think. I think he could be described as hard to move. I'm not sure he's the most explosive cat out there, but, but man, that's what they if you got want a nose guard I mean, or a three technique on a run stopping down. Put that man in the middle. That's why they went out and got him because he saw him last year with Eddie Goldman, who was obviously opted out. He, you missed him more than I think people noticed because he is that just, I'm going to stand in the middle and you're not going to move me. I'm going to eat a double team. You're not going to move me. You need a depth at that position. Eddie Goldman's very good. He's probably not going to play 16 games this year. He's not going to play every down this year. You don't want to have to struggle to find and put people out of place to play that nose guard position. They, they found a need at the seventh round and nose guard obviously is not a, a, a position that's getting drafted very highly or very frequently. They went out and got a guy that they believe is really hard to move that on you know, second and seven or whenever, when, when Eddie Goldman needs a blow after a few plays or when Eddie, Eddie Goldman's out for a week, yeah, we can plug this guy right about, right across from the center and he's going to be really tough to move for a week or two. And that's, that's why I, I think this, I think that's why despite being a seventh round pick, I do think he makes the roster just because of our lack of depth um, at the defensive tackle interior mm-hmm. lineman on the defensive side of the ball position because beyond Goldman, uh, Akeem Hicks, 
who hopefully you know having some fresh blood in the room will uh, will will reignite him a little bit too. Uh, I think Mario Edwards is is, is very good still year last year. Yeah, I believe yeah, he's still so part of the organization. So I think that you know I think that this is a kid that makes the roster. So of the let's see three four five six seven picks that the Bears made, I think all seven of them are rostered players. Yeah, there's they they didn't go out. And Ryan Pace, as we've seen in the last few years, he likes to draft the projects. He likes to draft the high ceiling guys. You look at all of these picks, and for the most part, he went out and got fairly proven commodities at where they're at. Fairly like there's not a lot of unknowns with a lot of these players. Let's, you know let, what you're going to get it, from just about all of them. To your point, Matt, let's look at it this way. I'm just going to read you schools: yeah. Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Mizzou, Virginia Tech. North Carolina, Oregon, BYU. There's no Tennessee State. There's no um, Abilene uh, Christian, whatever. No, there, there's no North D2 Carolina and Tito. I like Tariq Cohen. Yeah, there, and, there's, if, and, and if you look at and if you look at Bill Belichick's draft board, the man drafts SEC and and big uh, ACC. I mean, that's that's essentially what he does. And I think there is a proof to that pudding. There is a uh, proof to that approach to the draft that. If you want guys that are going to be brought along quickly, you got to have guys who are coming out of programs where there was a demand to learn the game. There was a Mm -hmm. bar set for them. There was a precedent for them to follow. You know, these are guys who look at the game of football, not as something that they do, but as but as the heart of their identity as a human being. You play football for Ohio State. We hold you to this the standard of Ohio State football. You play football at Mizzou. Now, that may not be a winning tradition, but you're playing in the SEC mm-hmm. against bad dudes. You better be ready to bring it every single day. You play against Oklahoma State, against some serious edge rushers. Like these, there's pedigree coming out of this draft class. Yeah. It's not... It's more pedigree than project, if we want to go illiterate here. It's 100% that, and that's why... It- it's almost like something clicked in maybe Ryan Pace's head that he just needed to that hey, stop, stop messing this around. Up. <laughs> stop messing around and go get like go get the right guys. Don't get the guys you think could be fun. It it's it was a very refreshing draft and it, for the first time I think ever there weren't men. Now, granted, he's done well in the, the back end of these round, these drafts in the past, but like there was no head scratching moment. All of these yeah. picks, all of these trades made a whole lot of sense, and that was less. Last place I want to take you here, Matt, before we look at the rest of the draft, is the subsequent handling of Justin Fields. Ideal situation. When do you see Justin Fields under center as the starter of the Chicago Bears? Ideal situation? Yeah. He is the hands-down best quarterback in camp, and he starts day one. Um, I'm not sure that's going to happen. But I think there is a decent chance. And right now, by the way, they're saying all the things they should be saying. They're saying the right things that Andy Dalton is the starter. He should there's, go into camp no, as the starter. There is no other public statement to be exactly. made by Exactly. I don't get why. There's some people are saying why. But of course, you have to say that. Of course, you have Andy, to say that. You know, you know what? Andy is our starter. You could do a Mad Libs here. Take Andy out and put Mike in. Yeah. Because they called Mike Glennon the starter when we drafted Trubisky. Now, again, Trubisky was not as far along, but that's what you have to say. The guy on the roster is the starting quarterback. The guy we yeah. drafted, we're going to bring along as quickly as possible. This isn't a guy that's coming in that needs a whole lot of like learning and see. And you talk about and it. They're now, making a comparison. Not to with, cut, not to cut you off, up. Matt, but the thing that may be exciting 
excites me the most on the tail end of this draft is all this stuff's coming out about Justin Fields and his aptitude test and that he's ranked higher than like anybody genius. who's ever taken. So, like, if his ability to compute an offense is that sound and mm-hmm. he comes along that quickly, well, then I share that feeling with you that if he is ready week one, it's time to roll. I yeah. mean, I, I know, I know the numbers and the statistics and the success rate will tell you a year does good by a quarterback, but we're not going to see. Like, let's be realistic. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, they don't have a year, and it's going to force this kid onto the field. I'm hoping it forces him onto the field, and he's ready to be forced onto the field. Yeah, I just if he's ready to go, which I, I think he will be, I, I, and he and he performs well in camp. Like, I think it's got to be his job. This isn't like. People keep drawing the comparison of the the Patrick Mahomes, uh, Alex Smith situation, KC, and I'm not, this is not me saying Justin Fields and yeah. Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't want to say that at all whatsoever. You look where the where they where Mahomes was coming out of Texas Tech into Kansas City. He was drafted. I mean, he was tenth, but he was this second round, early second round, high ceiling project projected guy. He wasn't this. You know, thirty. He knew. Starter he knew how to throw. State. No he disrespect knew, to Patrick Mahomes. He He's going to be when it's all said and done. He might be the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. But coming out of college, he knew like five to ten concepts. Like yes, they just it was, was an air raid offense. It was he needed the deeper than the deepest. Yeah, I don't needed, think you're yeah. at the same stage with Justin Fields that he needs a year to sit. And people are and if the Bears do. It, I don't think you need to follow the path of he needs to sit a year because that's what Patrick Mahomes did. If he's ready to go, which I think he'll be farther along in his ability to grasp an offense, an NFL offense, than Patrick Mahomes was. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes had a great tutor in Alex Smith and, and caught up very quickly. It took him a year and he was good. I, I think you have to go with him. And also, you have a defense and a star wide receiver that's on a franchise tag now that mm-hmm. have been performing putting the team on their back for the last three years and granted they like Mitch and they they have no problem with him as a person a teammate all that but they've had to put up with bad average below average quarterback play for two and a half years now if you have Justin Fields in camp clearly outperforming Andy Dalton clearly the best guy and I don't know who they open up against kick one or week one because I don't think the schedule's out yet I think that's later this week if Andy Dalton starts day one after being clearly beaten out, you're going to lose that locker room, that defense, that star wide receiver pretty quickly until Justin Fields gets into that game. And you can't afford to throw away games in the NFL. If he's the best player, you need to put him out there, one, because he gives you the best chance to win, and two, because that defense, those teammates around him have seen that bad quarterback play. They know what better quarterback play looks like, and you're not going to be able to fool them. You're not going to be able to lie to them and tell them that Andy Dalton's the better guy. If, if Justin Fields is better, you can't trick that defense into thinking Andy Dalton's better. They're going to know, and that's going to be in the back of their head. That's when you're going to see the attrition kind of kick in like it has the last few years. I mean, just look at the reaction on social media from some of these guys. Like Eddie, Eddie Jackson live on Instagram, uh, we finally got a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tariq Cohen, um, you know, showing some love to the – he uh, w- when they drafted um, – which we call it in the second round, he, he tweets out hog and yeah. then they go get Borum and he says hog. So like, there's an excitement about this roster about like what's coming to the offense that this offense lacked until draft day. And I agree with you, but my only pushback here would be, I, I don't know if I've just been like conditioned to think that guys need to see it from the sideline on game day. Like best case scenario for me is that fields is 
ready. He's right there. Week one, he's right there, but we're going to put Andy out there. And then Andy Dalton wins us four games in the first four weeks. And then not because Andy's not playing well, not because he's, you know, blowing games, not because the Bears are 0-4, but because Justin Fields, we feel, is ready. And maybe he's taken a couple snaps late in the fourth quarter when the Bears mm-hmm. are up by two scores, something like that. Like, that's best case scenario to me. I would love for him to see quarter of next season from the sideline and then bring him in not out of need but out of preparedness yeah um and and kind of have a uh a a, what's the term i'm looking for a a, uh when when presidents uh, take over a a a peaceful transition okay there you go is what i'm looking for in week five i'm looking for a peaceful transition of power in week five that's fair, and if that's the way it goes, I, I'm not going to be upset with either. I guess my hope is, and my, you asked my again my ideal scenario. My ideal scenario is he goes into camp and blows the doors off everybody, and he is that immediate. You know, we cannot Amen. start this guy. Yeah, I, but, I'd have no problem with that either. Um, Matt, it's an exciting time to be a Bears fan. It is, uh, which is not something I expected to say. I haven't on said this that in like three years, um, and I, I just I'm really we don't do it often, and because it's not deserved often, but I do want to take a second and applaud Ryan Pace for what he was able to do at the draft. Because for me, and I know I'm biased here, and I know you're biased, but if I had to slap a grade on it, it's an A, and mm-hmm. the lowest I would go is an A-. minus. Yourself. Yeah, I think you have to give it an A. Uh, it, there's not one – they went out and got, I would probably guess, the two highest guys on their board, given where they're – like. I, I don't think Tevin Jenkins was their highest tackle on their board. They probably had Slater and Sewell, but I would imagine after that, he was probably one of the highest guys on their board of like the next tier of tackles. They went out and got essentially their two top guys at the positions they wanted. They went out and got some guys that at the very least should be guys that make the roster at the back end of the draft that can probably make an impact. Um, I have zero problem with any of the picks. I'm very high on it and, Joe, you could have made one pick in this draft and had it been Justin Fields. I still probably would be giving you an A minus. Yeah, I feel like we were a little thin. A little, a little thin, thin, but we got a quarterback. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, that was definitely a day maker. Hopefully, a uh, a franchise maker as well. And that uh, you know, there's no excuses anymore. This is your quarterback. You drafted him. You got to bring him along, and we'll see what he can do. Um, and hopefully, he can. Uh, bring us a level of quarterback competency uh, not seen in Chicago since the likes of Sid, Sid Luckman. So, um, but Matt, I do want to open this up a little further. It was an exciting draft, uh, plenty of coverage on CBS Sports HQ from the first pick to some lesser known guys. Did you guys have um, like a live stream going the whole time, or how did that work? We, what was your coverage? So like? last year, I'm I not going to lie to you, I had ESPN on just for the ticker. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, I. I Last year, I anchored an eight-hour draft show. I remember um, that. Yeah, you were exhausted. Day, on day three. Uh, day one and day two, we did shows as well, but those are only like two to three-hour shows. But uh, we covered every pick last year, and apparently we got a little bit loose with uh, our video usage because we were like dipping into NFL Network's mm-hmm. feed, and, um, and we were talking about every pick and assessing it. And I guess our numbers uh, – were like threatening to ESPN and some of the networks. So apparently a couple of the networks went to the league and said, we need to crack down on these guys, these guys, these guys, they're, you know, they're using too much footage, this and that. Mm -hmm. So we got, we got squeezed this year, long story short, but Uh. we still put on a bunch of great coverage. Um, 
analysis in the moment and like post-draft stuff was a ton of fun too, but wasn't the grand spectacle that we were able to put on last year. Nonetheless, um, I, I do want to get your take here, Matt, on first round, second round, however deep you want to go here. Sure. Your biggest non-Bears storyline coming out of this draft is what? Man, I for me, the one that shocked, I don't know if I should say shocked me, maybe it was a little bit disappointed. I I think the reunion of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is cool. I think they're going to do really well together. I don't think the Bengals. I don't think the Bengals did very much to help out Joe Burrow coming off a torn ACL. They they drafted Jackson Carmen, who's the kid out of Clemson in the second round, who's at the time even everyone was saying, "Well, he's he's nice, but that's a little bit of a reach right there." And you know, a lot of people project him to be somewhat of a swing lineman, a guy who can play either way. You have holes on the offensive line, and I know that new toy of a star wide receiver who's really good, by the way. I'm not. This isn't a knock on Jamar Chase, but you had the stalwart, likely ten year left tackle sitting there for for the taking for you that to protect your quarterback coming off the torn ACL, and you just went for more talent on the outside. I, again, I think he's going to be a nice pick, and those two are going to have a. a a good career together, but I don't think you did your quarterback any favors in terms of getting him protection in the short term. No, I totally agree with you. And I think uh, it'd be really interesting to see truth serum. And I think I said this last week, but shoot up Joe Burrow with some truth serum and ask him, you want your good pal, uh, Jamar Chase, or do you want some protection? Yeah. I think truth serum, Joe Burrow uh, on the rehab table tells you he wants some protection. I'll, I'll take um, the 10 year tackle. Yeah, and I'm not sure that he was consulted uh, because you probably don't consult a, a sophomore quarterback on what you're going to do in the draft. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. He's a franchise quarterback. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting what that duo looks like because offensively, yeah, you got the weapons, but do you have the time to throw it to him? For mm-hmm. me, uh, similar to your uh, takeaway here, I found a very interesting Urban Myers early draft strategy here. And obviously, yes, Trevor Lawrence at one, but then reaching a little bit to put his uh, his running back next to him and Travis Etienne. So uh, Jacksonville is going to look a lot like Clemson, which is very ironic because you can cut right to the Urban Meyer eating Papa John's in the title after being <laughs> slapped by Clemson and those two guys specifically. He saw too much. <laughs> um, it's it's an inter- That one was an interesting pick, especially with the depth they kind of have at running back. Um I mean, he's, he's now the kind of the third guy they have in that room that they really think they can play unless they, he said he kind of sees him as a third down back. Don't get me wrong. I love Travis at the end. I think he's 25th overall. I think he's a really good running back, back, but I don't think that's where (laughs) he's been, you know, the 25th overall pick when you're a team that's in a rebuild, but also if you get the right pieces in a week, weaker division can compete in it. Um, yeah. That one kind of stuck out to me, but I guess you're giving your quarterback a little bit of sense of comfort back there, a guy that he trusts, and he, he is a talented player. And maybe they see at some point in the near future Etienne being better than Carlos Hyde, uh, which I think could happen. Uh, that, that's, that's probably what they might have been thinking. But, yeah, that one yeah. seemed like a little bit of a reach, more adding to depth you didn't really need to add there. Um, anytime, uh, anytime a running back is taken in the first round these days, it's called a reach. But Najee I do Harris. love Najee Harris at twenty four. So like just that dude in a Steelers uniform is going to keep defenders up at night. Like yep. I, he's just a scary dude off the rip. He is uber talented. You put him next to an aging quarterback that takes so much pressure off of Big Ben in the passing game. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that was exactly the pick to make there, make there at 24 uh, for the Steelers. Some other ones in the first round that jumped off the board I, at me. I love um, the Chargers getting Rashawn Slater at 13. I thought yeah. I, we thought there was going to be maybe a little bit earlier of a run on tackles, and they kind of saw all that action of the Bears trading up, the Eagles trading up, the Cowboys obviously need to go defense right in front of them, um, and they went and got. I really like that pick. One of the Parsons. top, you know, a one A one B. Uh, tackle on their board. Yeah, Micah Parsons is a very good pick for them. It's it's oh, another guy surprising. He kind of fell that far with the way things went. Um, yep. they, they did a great job of kind of maximizing their value and still getting their guy. But I, yeah, I love what the Chargers not only with Slater, but then they got Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round, who was a definitely a higher ceiling type quarterback, who be cornerback, excuse me, who can who can be pretty darn good. And that Slater pick is the template draft. You get your quarterback, and if you didn't get your offensive lineman that year, you get him this year. year. You get him this year, first round. Don't think, just shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, Mac Jones at fifteen. And I know we talked about him a little bit already, but just we've been joking about it for a year now. Like, oh, he's the perfect Patriots quarterback. He's going to bring the dynasty back. This mm-hmm. and that, but that's all well and good, and we'll see if it happens. And it's going to be interesting to see what what Belichick can develop him into because it's a lot more prototypical in that Josh McDaniels offense and what type of offense they called for the two decades prior to Cam Newton being there. Yeah. So I think he's, I think that that organization is going to be excited to get back to a pro style quarterback, but just it's going to be tense. That's going to be a tense room between Cam and Mac. And yeah, they're going to say all the right things. And Cam is probably going to put his best foot forward and, and smile and make nice. But that's a guy fighting for his NFL life. He didn't necessarily do enough last year to make people believe, yeah, let's throw a two-year deal at Cam. Like, if Cam isn't afforded the opportunity to play this year, there's going to be some trade demands. There's going to be some stuff going on that's going to be a distraction in New England. So just the quarterback dynamic in New England right now, very interesting to me. Yeah, it was – I'm a little bit – Mac Jones, I think, is the right pick. I think he's going to be pretty good for them. But the the keeping of Cam – or at least, but, I don't think there was a market out there, a huge demand for someone to go out and bring in Cam Newton for one year. There was year. none. That's I don't why know you why get you, him for nothing for a year. You didn't need to do it right away. You could have almost went through the draft and seen what you had. had hey, maybe if you draft Mac Jones, Cam doesn't want to come back. There's a couple guys that have, like Nick Mullins is a free agent right now. He can do what Cam does for Like There were other guys to go out there and get. And to have two guys whose offenses need to be run so completely differently. Like Cam isn't the ideal veteran for Mac Jones because Cam's offense, the the one that he sees, the one that he thrives in most, is going to be a very different offense from the one Mac Jones thrives in. Yeah, but but you feel that as a backup, let's say we're saying Mac Jones is a starter, Cam's the backup. As a backup, former MVP for $5 million, I like a cheap insurance policy. Okay, fair enough. No matter when you're signing the guy on. Yes, the dynamic's going to be weird, and I agree with you in that, but... You got Cam Newton for half of Andy Dalton. You can sit him. It's not going to yeah. hurt your pockets to sit him and have a $5 million backup. A $5 million backup's a backup. You know, that's a normal thing in the NFL. A $10 million backup's a little bit different, but yeah. I don't want to go negative on the Bears here. I'm not going to neg the Bears. Hey, we, we're, we're off that. We're, at, we're team Ryan now. Okay. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting situation to watch, though, for sure. I think Mac Jones is going to do very well there, and the Patriots just got themselves a nice card. It might be, it might take a little bit longer of a of a drawing out of a development process, just because he's only had the year. But if you're talking about a guy who's used to ten situations, you're you're talking about Nick Saban's quarterback, you know, of last year national championship quarterback. So I think he's think he's used to being in a room with some tension. Yeah, I uh, they win games forty to three, and Saban walks into the quarterback room pissed off. 
<laughs> I don't know if it's because we got our quarterback and things fell really the way of the Bears in this draft, but really one of the more entertaining drafts, day one through three um, in recent memory. And I don't know what that was, and I, not even just from like a, a, a television product standpoint. I was just really dialed in because there was a ton of uncertainty early. And then, I mean, you get to the middle rounds and it's all uncertainty. We, yeah. don't, we don't really know who's going where in those middle rounds like, like these scouts do, but just a really, really fun draft. Now, I, I, I know what you mean when you say really drawn in. I, can, I, I was very drawn in too. Had the Bears stayed at 20 and drafted some offensive lineman or Probably traded not. up and Probably made the wrong much. pick, I would not have been watching the NFL draft this weekend because yeah. I would have just been like, okay, whatever. They're going to take some guys and they're coming back the same thing. Not only did I watch because I'm excited about the Bears, kind of want to see what they want to do. I wanted to watch because every you know once an hour there was a feature, there was a talking segment about how the Bears crushed trading up to go get Justin Fields. Honestly, and man, I wanted to hear honestly. people talking about that. Um, um, should we talk I'm about just, the uh, 134 million dollar elephant in the room? Uh, who are we? Who, who happens to reside, technically reside in Green Bay right now, but might not for much longer? Oh yeah, no. I mean, uh, that's what's understood. Doesn't have to be explained. You just gotta let that play out. You gotta let them do what they do, and it's like we're the little girl on the swing with the fire behind us right now. We're just we're just swinging on the swings, letting that fire no, blaze I think in we're the, the background. I think we're the it's it's the other one. It's like the little girl's got like the menacing smile, smile on her face yeah, yeah, with yeah, the burning in the that's background. What that's what I'm that's thinking the of. One. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. That's that's, that's us right now. Just just a wry just a wry smile as a fire burns in Green Bay. Um, I really hope this is some sort of tease for him to stay there. No, I mean, for the sake of brevity, Matt, I'll ask it to you this way. Week one of the 2021 NFL season, Aaron Rodgers is wearing what uniform? Man, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe he's getting traded from the Packers when I see it. So right now, if I had to guess, I would say Green Bay. But if you told me if it was Vegas, if you told me it was Denver, I would not be surprised in the least bit. He's not going to Vegas. I think Denver makes the most sense. Yeah, and, and Vegas doesn't make sense to me because, and yes, that is in the same division there. It's a very competitive division, but you think about the edge rushers in that division. You are getting bared down on, no pun intended, every single week in that division and in all divisions. It's yeah. the NFL. But the point I'm trying to make here is that the Raiders' offensive line, despite uh, reaching on Leatherwood, it's it's not good. It's not deep, and it's the reason that Derek Carr doesn't get the respect that he should because he's running for his life. And I don't know that Aaron Rodgers wants to be the guy running for his life. I think it's Green Bay. I think it's Denver. I think it's retirement. And if I had to put the you think it's a Jeopardy on, studio? No, because he wasn't that good at it. But I think that I Ooh, if, if I had to yeah shots fired. Um, if I had to put you know a percentage basis on it. I'd, I'd, I'd allocate 60% of that to him being a Packer, 40% or 30% of it to him being a Bronco and 10 to retirement. I, I really think that that's where it's at. I thought there was an interesting discussion to be had. Now, obviously, it ended up not uh, going this way. You you said Justin Herbert, uh, uh, some sort of a swap there with LA. I saw you tweeting about you yeah, guys talking about I would never, If I were the Chargers, I would have said thank you but hung up fairly quickly. You don't trade a 22-year-old guy who just won Rookie of the Year who seems like he's – on pace to be a great NFL quarterback for a 38 year old. I, I know we've quarterbacks seen, are playing. We've later. seen a lot of sophomore downturns. Uh, we have, but point. and if Aaron Rodgers was 33, I'd have said do it. Aaron Rodgers, granted, Aaron Rodgers still just won MVP. 
He's 38. He, he had his best season I, I know, physically, Joe, statistically, in every metric. Fine, fine. If you, if you want to get upset over his birth certificate, I present yeah. to you the guy who just won the Super Bowl. Um, okay, I yeah, think the greatest quarterback of all time. Yes. Yes, He's, but, but, how far, but how far down the, the list? Outlier. But how far down the list? How far down the list is Aaron Rodgers? That's a fair question, but I just I don't I don't. How far down the list is Aaron Rodgers on the list of greatest quarterbacks of all time? Now, you could throw five or you six could, spots. You could throw whatever metric you want into greatest of all time. Okay, then we're talking about if we're talking about the most talented thrower of the football. He is one. That's fair. He is where, number one. Where no one has Madden ever on thrown because he on the greatest off quarterbacks the of all time. Yeah, right up yeah, there with Aaron Rodgers. Peyton, he dropped Peyton off the cliff. Peyton Manning's arm strength was never his hallmark. Even when he was the when he was the general, don't you think arm was, strength is something that falls off in old age? Yeah, I, I do. But if you have a chance to get the most talented thrower of the football in the history of the sport, I don't care if he's thirty eight or twenty eight, you do it. Well, so here's that's, I had a similar, and that's why and that's why the and that's why the Green Bay Packers are now filing grievances with the league because so many teams called about Aaron Rodgers when this news leaked. It was Everybody a, wants him. A similar argument, uh, debate team situation that we had uh, in the newsroom before the draft. I thought Miami was a place that made a whole lot of sense because yeah, unlike Justin definitely. Herbert, too, is a guy that, yeah, he was fine at times last year, but you got some questions. That's a guy that you could package with another with you know a first round pick and whatever the hell else it might take to get done to send to Green Bay. And then you bring in Aaron Rodgers to that spot where you have some weapons, you have a defense, you have an offensive line, you have, you know, what was seen as one of the you know, rising star coaches in the NFL. That to me would have been the the wild card perfect landing spot for Aaron Rodgers that obviously never came to fruition. But if I were Miami, I'd have been on the phone with him quite a bit. To that point too, Matt, I don't know, just the Chargers excuse me, the Chargers hypothetical they're not necessarily ready to win, and Miami, I guess, is maybe a step yeah, or two ahead of them. That's in another their, caveat. In their if process. the Chargers were on knocking on the door of being a Super Bowl contender, that also would have made sense. I'm not sure. Just regardless, Rodgers puts them. regardless the fact that it didn't happen on day one of the draft, and that day one capital, round one capital, was not spent to make the trade happen from Denver, LA, Miami, or otherwise, yeah. makes me feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Packer. Or he might retire if he's really that hard line on it, which I don't think he's that hard line on it. Um, I agree with you to an extent, but it also, to me, that Denver passed on a quarterback there tells me they still think they have a chance. Well, that was that was my I, – I tweeted that out on the night of the draft is that, like, I think we owe Aaron Rodgers a, a big thanks because he puts out this news, Denver gets excited, they don't take a quarterback at nine. Yeah. We, we trade up because they don't take a quarterback at nine. We get Justin Fields and Aaron Rodgers might be out of the division. Like, mm-hmm. tip of the hat to you, Aaron Rodgers. Like, thank you for ripping my heart out for the last decade and a half and then doing right by me on draft day. Yeah, at least <laughs> at least he's trying to do right by us at the end. Exactly, exactly. Uh, um, but it, yeah, that, that's, that's the biggest storyline out of the NFL, and it will be until some sort of reconciliation happens. Um, whether that's Brian Gutenkus being fired and, and Aaron getting his way and getting a nice extension there. Um, one that he wholeheartedly deserves. I mean, he was the undisputed MVP at, I don't care, 38 years old or whatever you yeah, want to say about it. The man's got good football in front of him, um, and he should be treated as such by whatever franchise uh, he's donning the jersey. I thought it was wildly hilarious that the Packers just stuck to their guns and drafted a corner in the first round. Yeah, got to go defense first. Got to go defense. Yeah, got to go defense. No, no olive branch. We're trying to reconcile with our quarterback. We're going to take a project corner.
Uh, Matt, uh, we got a couple times. other topics to get here. Uh, I think we've done a pretty comprehensive NFL draft coverage. I think we did good. From Chicago and beyond. Uh, applause to you. Bears drafted Justin foremost. Fields, too. Let's Bears pause the draft Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. He's, the, he's Let, the real king. Let's just get out in front of it here. Justin, you have the full support of the Moose and Runes podcast. Yeah. You take Welcome your time. On you do whatever you need to well. do. Anytime you want to come on, we'll have you. That's it. Friend of the pod, Justin yep. Fields. Uh, Matt, we do need to move it here into a couple of other sports. And I think... You know, we present these as buy or sells, and I'll take this to the south side of Chicago. Um, Buy or sell, the Luis Robert injury takes the White Sox out of World Series contention. Uh, I'm going to sell that because I don't know. I think there's still too many unknowns uh, going forward. You don't know if he's out for the year. You don't know if and when you're getting Aloy Jimenez back. If they have a a feeling closer to – you know, the mid-July that those guys aren't going to be back. You don't know who Rick Hahn might go out and make a deal for. And oh, my God. If you, the Bash brothers come back in the same week, oh, my gosh. That would, could you imagine? I mean, the timeline kind of <laughs> adds up to it, but it we'll get to there. Um, you also are seeing the pitching staff start to live up to what they can be. And I don't care what you're off, who's in that lineup, which by the way is still incredibly talented. I mean, if, if Moncada and Abreu start, Moncada is, is, has started to hit. If Abreu starts to heat up even just a little bit more, you have a lineup that is still really darn good. Um, mm-hmm. If, if you're getting these pitching efforts from Carlos Rodon, from what we've seen from Dylan Cease the last couple times out from Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito is going to be fine. Dallas Keuchel just had a great outing against Cincinnati yesterday. If you're, getting what you're getting from those guys, I don't care who you're playing in a playoff series. You can beat anybody. Um, yeah. So as long as that pitching is doing what it's doing, the bullpen again is, is is coming around and starting to be like what they should. And you have Michael Kopech out of there as that swing guy. As long as that pitching is doing what it's doing and the defense starts to trend back towards the right direction. It's going to be relevant. You're going to be right there. You're going to be right there and you can beat anybody in a playoff series. So I, I'm going to yeah. sell that. It obviously hurts it a ton, but I would be surprised if, one or both of them were not back come, you know, October 1st, you know, mid-September, early September. Yeah, I'm holding out hope. And if the staff, like you said, can keep us afloat, then, you know, I'm, I'm selling it as well. I think that they're still a playoff team. I think that they could still make some noise. And if you get those guys back in full health down the stretch, it might take them a little while to, you know, get in the groove of things and figure it out. You're mm-hmm. coming along late, but um, better late than never. You know? It's And two, with those guys coming back into the lineup, Think of the spots you can kind of put them in to ensure they're kind of getting eased back into it with protection. I mean, you put Luis yeah. Robert in between Tim Anderson and Yohan Moncada. You put Eloy Jimenez in between Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal. Like they have to get, they, they have to see pitches at that point. Um, yeah. So I think you you have a, a lineup where you can easily ease those guys back into a spot. Got anything for me? Uh, north side. We're going to talk about the north side, but I don't know how I want okay. to phrase this. But they just swept the Dodgers. Um, Bye. Okay. Buy the Cubs just buy the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Buy or sell the Cubs so far through what's it? Thirty games. I think they're at. I think they're fourteen and sixteen, something like that. Uh, well, I believe you have that uh, transposed. I think there's sixteen and sixteen 14 and fourteen. Now, okay. Mistaken. I thought they were under five hundred. I'm gonna flip it up. Great I think radio. they went over five hundred during the uh, during this Dodgers uh, series. Yeah. I mean, anytime you could 
anytime you can sweep the Dodgers, the defending World Series champions, uh, 17 and 15 is the Dodgers record okay. for the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs are 14, 15 and 16. 15 and 16. 15 and 16. Okay. 15 and 16. So a game below, but um, playing good baseball, and uh, they take a doubleheader from the Dodgers off of their two top pitchers in Kershaw and uh, and in Bauer, and then you know you, you wrap it up with another W here a day ago. Yeah, there's there's holes in the lineup, and they might not be what we once thought of the powerhouse of the Cubs to be. But like I said, confidence building three game sweep of the Dodgers. Now, mind you, the Dodgers are not last year's World Series champion right now. Dustin May's down. He's probably getting uh, Tommy John surgery. That offense isn't producing. I think we looked at the numbers before we jumped on. Two and thirteen in their last fifteen, something like that. I think you said. Yeah, like four and twelve four and since 12, starting. The, four and twelve since starting the season. Thirteen and That's two. So it's been those. a downturn for the Dodgers, but you know, keeping them down is huge for the Cubs and for that confidence. We'll know more as as the season goes on, but. They're producing runs. They're no longer at the bottom of the barrel and batting average as a team. So I think I buy where the Cubs are at right now. I think Cubs fans can be encouraged about the product they've put forth through 31 games. Yeah, I mean, I think if you listen to our season preview on them, I think this is kind of exactly what they thought, what we thought. 500 clubs. We said they'd be (laughs) around a 500 club that would have these stretches of the offense really clicking and they'd have their slumps and that would kind of even things out. And that's, that's kind of what exactly what they've been uh, to the tune of one game under 500. I do think you're starting to see the Cardinals separate themselves a little bit in that division after a slower start, which again, we, we kind of mm-hmm. thought would happen, but the NL isn't all that. It's it, you have the Padres, you have the Dodgers who are you're going to start clicking after that. You have the Cardinals who probably win the central I feel like after that, like the wild card is going to be wide open down the stretch. The, Bra- the Braves, I mean, you expect to click at some point, but they're 14 and 16. They're not playing great baseball. Um, I think that's a really good team, to your point. I, think I do, the Braves too. Are I think really the Braves are a really good team, but they still haven't started clicking yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think that second wild card is probably going to be a spot that, that's up for grabs. And all you can hope for is they keep kind of playing this middling 500-ish baseball, maybe have a runner, runner two in there and put themselves in contention for it. Yeah. Um, do they keep that, playoff expansion for this year? That's a good question. I, I don't remember. So. Uh, we'll figure that, that out. That was one of the things, yeah. Playoff because expansion. I, As I'm of now, sure ten team postseason, two wild card teams plus three to oh, so no, it's back. No, okay. Right. It's not right. official yet. While the players were expanded from ten to sixteen teams for twenty twenty, that agreement was only for one year. In absence of such, pe- okay, so it sounds like we're back to ten now. Got but it. okay, yeah, it might happen at some point, but which is wild to think about. It's still season. on the table <laughs> because baseball. Oh God. Uh, yes, but no, exactly. as of right now, it's ten team postseason. Okay, that narrows the window a little bit for the Cubs, but still. Matt, that's all I got for the people. Um, I think we've sprayed the board here. You did the post-mortem on the Hawks a week ago, and you were right, yep. mathematically eliminated yeah. from playoff contention. Bulls are dead, um, too, as well. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff on ice between the Caps and the Rangers a night ago for some Tom Wilson retribution. I have a hot so take was... on that, by the way. No, don't get are me you, wrong. Are you pro-Tom Wilson? No, no, I'm not at all pro-Tom Wilson. I, okay. I think <laughs> because that was Tom Wilson, I think that should have been a heavy suspension and a fine. If that was a yeah. first-time offender, I kind of think the punishment fit the crime. It was a, it was a cheap shot to the back of the head, and then he got into a tussle with Artemi Panarin. If that was a first-time offender, I don't think that was you know what the Rangers' statements I agree, where he tried to attempt the to stick to the back of the top. neck was damning for me. That it, was like it was you also you can't guillotine a guy. It on was, the ice. I cannot stress this enough. <laughs> it was Tom Wilson who's been suspended. Yeah. 
countless times who's been suspended three games in a playoff series, which I believe like three game playoff suspension translates to like a 10 game regular season suspension. Like Uh, my takeaway from it all, just from like an, just from like an NHL front office standpoint, you can only be fined five thousand dollars. Like I know these guys aren't making the most money of, of athletes out there. Yeah, the fines are like, out there. Okay, the here's twenty bucks. Are, the fines are capped at five thousand dollars. It's amazing. It's wild. I don't know how that's a thing, but yeah. <laughs> and 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 if that's the case, you got to take games. You got to take yeah, games. That, that's a hand of blackjack for Tom Wilson on, a, on an off night yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, uh, not to say that his financial advisor would support it, but but it, I it might be. <laughs> um, what else? What else? Golf oh, Super got, League is that going to be a thing? No, it's not because it's know. a tough look. It's a tough look to take Saudi Arabian oil money. Like Rory came out and said it. It's a money grab. I'm here for major championships. Now, is it perfect for a guy like Phil Mickelson? Phil Mickelson does his career to go to go maybe make to go maybe make nine figures to play golf for a year or two. If I were like, Phil, yeah, I'd absolutely Phil, do it. Let's go. Let's have catch some fun. Me in, catch me in Dubai. You know, that'd probably be because hey, he can compete on this tour. Dubai anymore. making nine figures for a year is not the worst place in the world. Yeah. So, uh, you know, some tough political interests out there, but uh, I, I'd sell I'd sell that uh, that golf. Thing. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I just, I just saw it on ESPN and we get strike while the Super League iron is hot. Uh, I'll give I'll give a quick uh, course review here. Not not going to dedicate you. By much the way, what'd you but, shoot? What'd you shoot, Joe? At, at Trump Trade Point. Now, now you set the over under at eighty seven and a half. I, I believe. No, I, I thought I set it right at eighty seven. Okay, well, rookie number because who wants to push? Uh, I was giving you, giving but me I shot. Out. But I shot an eighty eight. So um, I, I had a, I had a fifteen. I don't remember. Footer. It might have been eighty seven and a half. I really don't remember. I had a fifteen footer on eighteen for the eighty seven, um, and I was really happy with my eighty eight. Came out of the gates just struggling, spraying it all over the place. Which on a links course, you know, you're making some bigger numbers. I played the last. I paid 12 through 18. I should have parred home. Uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 16, I caught the most obscene full 360 horseshoe on like a 12-foot par putt um, mm. that I just had to tap it in and, and move on. And then 18, uh, left left a perfect putt about two revolutions short for the uh, oh you can't come up short Joe I I know I know it wasn't and it was like I hit the tastiest pitch over like this massive bunker to like a blind pin to Mm -hmm. leave myself about 12-15 feet and then left it short but the number is unimportant the experience was fantastic anyone who finds himself in the New York area looking for good public golf while it is on a little bit pricier side um Trump Ferry Point. Uh, which if you're going out be, to New York, everything you're doing is on the pricey side. True. Um, but uh, just a gorgeous course, well-kept. Um, sometimes when you play Lynx golf, you can feel like you get a little lost in it. And, um, you know, holes tend to feel a little bit repetitive. None of that. Like, we had some template holes. We had uh, centerline bunkers. Like, every shot you were hitting was igniting your imagination and it was challenging you in some way like even the layups were were tough to certain spots like it was it was true links golf that opened up some creativity and imagination around the green too really really fun course with some awesome views there under the whitestone bridge and uh even looking at the skyline of new york city was it was a really cool course well very happy for your experience sounds so if i had to give it if i had to rank it out of 10 i think i've been i think i've been throwing an eight seven on my ranking like really oh, high up there. that's that's a yeah. high rating i like that yeah yeah that's uh, I, I gotta go out 
I'll play Pound Ridge again. I was going to say best course I've played in the New York, Connecticut area, but Pound Ridge, Fairy Point. Pound one, Ridge one is a, a phenomenal name, too. It's a great uh, name. Pound, yes, it is. Pound Ridge being a Pete Dye design, and Fairy Point is a Nicholas design. So you know you're getting two quality tracks. Yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's all I got for you and for the people, Matt. You got anything yeah. else? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, Justin Fields is the Bears quarterback. Uh, we'll see. We did call that. Let's go. Over the next we five broke years. that story. How about another day before the draft? People forget. How about another half decade of hope, Chicago? Because that's all we can promise you. Uh, We can always promise you entertainment here on the Loose and Rumors podcast as well. For Matt, I am Joe. Thank you for listening to this episode 205 of the pod. As always, get at us on Twitter. Send us your mailbags. We're going to dip into the mailbag in the weeks to come. But for now, he's Matt. I'm Joe. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Kicking on the state was phenomenal.